Hello you. Welcome to another episode of Actors Making It, the podcast where I talk to actors about their journey to making it, in whatever way making it means to them. This week's guest is William Prescott, another Aussie who has taken a punt on the LA industry. Though after he arrived in January this year, Will has experienced a gamut of emotions since he landed. He's been questioning whether or not it was the right choice to relocate in the first place, to losing voiceover work in Australia following a vocal injury, to going through the process of having to reapply for the O1 visa only five months into his time in Hollywood. In this week's episode, we talk to William about his mental health journey around other people's ideas to what making it is, and trying to find the motivation to make it in the US, and how he landed his agent, which in itself is a really interesting story for anyone planning on moving to LA. I really hope you enjoy this week's episode with William Prescott, and as always, good luck on your own journey to making it. Yay! Hi, Will. Welcome to Actors Making It. Thank you very much for having me, Danny. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for joining me. Um, lovely to have to have had you reach out. Um, you're obviously a friend of Josh's. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah great. Josh and I, um, we did a commercial in 2018 for McCain's Beer Battered Chips. Okay. I'm, sh- I'm sure you know it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of uh, terrestrial TV these days, so I don't I, see a lot of ads. Though I have seen your Dare advert. Yeah, the Dare ad that's been on for a while. That one. Um, but yeah, Josh and I met doing this uh, this commercial a few years ago, which I think was just online, and um, kind of didn't see him again after that until I came here in 2019 for ten days, and he'd moved here with his wife, Steph. Um, so really, they were the only people here that I knew when I moved, uh, which yeah, nice. is, uh, yeah, four months ago now, I moved here. To LA? Yeah, that's right. Oh, I think I, when I read your email, I think I misunderstood. I thought you said you'd moved in 2020. Um, no, no. So I got my visa. It was, it was such a disaster. You know, anyone who's um, trying to get a visa as an actor knows the O1 visa, which is the one I've got, uh, is a three-year visa. It's a hell of an obstacle course to get through to get it. Yep. And I got it in January of 2020. So I was kind of rejoicing that, you know, I'm probably going to go to LA, maybe April, maybe May. And obviously I wasn't going anywhere. So no, no. two years later, which is obviously January just, just passed, January 2022, I came. But now the visa is about to run out. So I've got to, in the next month, get another one it's like uh it's a it's a hell of a headache but um it's kind of like that exam you know that nightmare you have where you've got one more exam and you're like i'm sure i finished all these exams didn't i do all these yeah that's kind of what it feels like so it's been a a while since i've done an exam but i think i I think i remember the feeling um all right cool so this year is when you move to la but let's let's start a little bit earlier than than 2020 um what what when did you start in acting what what uh brought you to the the idea of i want to be an actor yeah i started quite late i'm 37 now nearly 38 and i started at about 27 okay um i that was when i did kind of my first acting class and a friend of mine lee uh had kind of uh, I guess, demonstrated over the the three, four years prior to that, he'd left, I was working in advertising and he was working in advertising as well. And he kind of left and did this full-time acting course and then started getting work in commercials as an actor and in other TV shows and things. And I thought, well, you know, if he he can do that, maybe I can do it as well. And I was just miserable working in advertising, really miserable. Um, I'd kind of get into the elevator to go. And I had a great job. It was once my dream job working at Nova. The radio station um but i was in advertising sales and not to um, go on too much of a tangent but it was kind of torturous because literally you know a 10 meter walk away was all the different radio programs Husey and kate are doing their thing and all this creative stuff is kind of going on just over there but i was never really a part of that right um so that was you know probably four years after lee had started acting and i, I thought all right i'm going to go to the same school he did so i went to 16th street first and did some classes and I was like, this is, I'm going to make a go of this. Um, yeah. So about 10 okay. years now. And what was the, so you've been doing it for 10 years. Had, had acting been something that you'd always thought about or was it something that you all of a sudden went, that's something I can do. I'm going to do that. 
I'd always thought about it, but my priority was music. So my creative okay. priority was I was in a band. Really, I'd been playing music since I was a little kid, but in band since I was 18. And I was in a band called Mosaic, which was an original band. We had a little indie record deal, but it felt like a really big deal at the time. So we were 21. And then that just kind of naturally ran its course over four or five years. And then I kind of forgot about music for a little bit. And I, I was just in this rut working at Nova. I just was sort of like, you know, you've, you've given up on music. You know, you, you're not doing anything really particularly creative. You're not happy. Um, and yeah, as I said, Lee had done these acting courses and was raving about it. And I thought, well, why don't I just go and do one class? I had done one amateur musical uh, for Greece at Altona Theatre. Uh, and that was kind of when I was 23. So that always stuck in my head um, as an enjoyable experience. And that's how Lee and I met. Um, okay. And I, I, so I sort of, I guess it was in the background there that I wasn't, that was enjoyable. I felt like I, um, I liked being on stage. I always liked being on stage with music as well, but to be able to bring a bit of acting to it was, um, was really fun. So the acting courses kind of confirmed that. Yeah, cool. Um... Okay, so I mean, twenty-seven is. I mean, it's not late, late, but it, as you said, it is kind of later than I think a lot of people um, kind of kick off any kind of acting dream, which is great. Um, talk to me about your, I guess, process when you start. Well, actually, when you started out with on that journey ten years ago, what was yeah. your idea of making it at that time? Very specific. <clears throat> I I wrote down at my desk at Nova how much money do I need to just pay my rent, keep the lights on, keep the fridge full of food and maybe be able to go out with my friends at least once every couple of weeks, you know, like bare minimum. And I decided that $50,000 gross at that time, 10 years ago, and probably even still today really, would be a healthy amount of money. I had survived on less than that living on my own. So I thought, all right, so how can I piece together $50,000? Um, I was earning kind of close to double that uh, in advertising, but I, I didn't care about that. I just wanted to be happy. So I thought, all right, I don't remember the exact split, but it was something like, you know, what if I got one $10,000 commercial, um, per year, which was at the time felt kind of ambitious, but I thought, well, Lee, you know, I keep talking about Lee, but he, he had kind of done that. Um, he was in a, like a Ford commercial at the time. And I was like, all right, well, you know, I can do it. People are doing that. So that was one thing. I'd started doing voiceovers at Nova. So that was great. Um, and I wasn't earning any money doing that um, because I worked at Nova. They had a clause that if you do anything on air, you don't get paid for it. Right. But I was still building up a lot of experience. And I thought, all right, let's say I can get some some voiceover money coming in. Maybe that's another 10 grand. Um, and then the rest, I thought I could piece together playing live music in Melbourne. Um, where are you based? I'm in Sydney. Sydney. All right. So Sydney's live music scene isn't as, uh, kind of every second bar in Melbourne has got an acoustic musician kind of bashing out covers and yeah. I thought, well, I can probably make some money doing that. And there's, there's 50 grand. I thought if I need to work in a bar in between or something like that, then I can, you know, I think I'll be happier than doing this full time. So that was my idea of making it get to $50,000, okay. but be happy every day at work. You know, and that's evolved. You know, it, I I achieved that goal, and it it continues to evolve. I think okay. that's what what I've realised ten years later is that it will never be. Uh, not to say it'll never be enough, but I'm ambitious, and I think you have to be to be in this industry, and I just sometimes have to curb that ambition a little bit and not allow it to become dissatisfaction. Does that make sense? It, it, look, it makes total sense. I think um, it's a really interesting point to make because so often um, we live in this world of systems and um, reaching targets and goals. And yeah. we, all, we all live in this world of if I reach this point, I will be happy. As soon as yeah. I do, as soon as I can X, Y, Z, then I will have done it and I will feel great. And yeah. that doesn't happen. I mean, this is like, you know, going shopping. I will, if I buy, I really want this bag. If I buy this bag, I'm, I'm going to feel better. Yeah. Buy the bag and then 10 minutes later, like, okay, well, I've got a bag and I've got fucking $10,000 worth of debt. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't, I don't exactly. feel better. Um, <clears throat> so yeah. I think it's a uh, an interesting thing to think about for every actor to think about that it's an evolving process and 
Well, I mean, there are levels. There are obviously levels within the acting game. You you need to achieve certain. There are there are people that that are lucky and go from zero to hero very quickly, but. Yep. A lot of it is hitting certain strides within the acting game, and then you're, and then you think, and then it's, you know, I'm, I'm going to level up to, to this next. Um, I, I interviewed a guy a couple of months ago, Paul Talbot, and he, he has a, he's got a ten step, ten levels of acting, and he thinks he's around about the seven or eight at the moment. Oh, that's great! I love that. Um, I think, I think is, that's healthy to, to know where you're at, um, in whether it's you know the goals that you've set for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, or you're following a you know a template of, of any kind. That's that whatever works for you. Um, yeah. The problem with this industry, uh, two things that I've identified, two issues that I, I constantly navigate is the external uh, idea. I'll, I'll talk about that first. Is that the idea of success in this industry is so binary to your friends and family who aren't actors. Yeah. The, the, even even the title of this podcast, which is is great because we get to explore what it means to each individual, but to the external, to friends and family, the word making it basically means, and it always usually comes with how long are you going to give it? How long are you going to give it till you make it? And it doesn't matter that I'm making a living off it and have for 10 years and I've been really happy doing that. I still get that question and it really irritates me because what does that mean? Does that mean winning an Oscar? And it's so binary. It's like you've either you've either succeeded, you've made it, or you you haven't and you failed. Yeah. And no other industry operates like that. Just the creative arts, performing arts industry, really. Music, stand-up comedy, mm-hmm. acting, and perhaps there's some others as well in the artistic industry as well. But you know, you think about if you work in a bank or if you work in advertising, let's say, you know, and you're you know a mid-level manager or an account executive and you're making good money but you're not the top director or the top general manager you don't own your own agency nobody comes at you and says how long are you going to give this advertising thing before you (laughs) realize that 100 grand a year is it's not the top so you haven't made it yeah so it's you know and so that's the external struggle um that you kind of constantly get that that coming at you Okay, just to go back on, I even had a friend, you know, so I keep seeing on all those ads, like that, that's awesome. But like, how long are you going to give it until you sort of like call it quits? Well, why would I, why would I call it quits if I'm, if I'm working? Yeah. Like, yeah. But you want to do real work, right? Like, like, you know, have you tried to get on neighbors? Like, no, my time is on my way. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that, that's the struggle. And the other one is the seduction of Hollywood, you know, um, the seduction of fame and all of those things that they're kind of talking about. It is there, mm-hmm. like it's real. Um, you, so you got to, or I needed to make sure that when I came here, I wasn't coming seeking that. It's okay to acknowledge the, that it is seducing, seductive. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I was living for a few months just down the road from the Oscars um and it's it's weird to kind of be here as an actor with that kind of going on and it's uh you just have to make sure as i said you curb that ambition and make sure that it's realistic and that you're comfortable yeah. with what you're achieving because it's never as you said before i don't think it's ever completely enough does it is it not um while while it's important to keep yourself in check and be realistic about your career is not is being in Hollywood and being around the Oscars, living down the road from the Oscars and that kind of thing, not motivating? Um, yeah, yeah, I suppose it is. I, I didn't find that stuff motivating in the beginning. I'm I'm feeling really motivated and positive now because things are going in the right direction. But for the first six weeks, I I would see the Hollywood sign every day. The first time you see the Hollywood sign, it's a bit of a buzz because it's out of the movies and the TV shows and it's there. But then for me, what was happening, I had this rooftop of my Airbnb that I would sit on and have my coffee and I could see the Hollywood sign and it kind of started to become this, um, you know, it was kind of calling out to me, sort of saying, what are you doing here? Like you can't, I hiked up to the Hollywood sign a number of times, so close. There's a fence there, but I was so close, I could have thrown a rock and hit it. You can hike all the way up to just behind it. And I'd sort of sit up there looking at it going, I I physically, geographically, can't be any closer to my dream if I tried. But I don't know what to do next. 
you know, and it was kind of torturous. That sign was just kind of calling out to me and it was uh, not, not literally, I'm not crazy. I wasn't talking about the sign, <laughs> but you know, it was- Are you sure you were hearing there. voices on the last platform we tried <laughs> to use? <laughs> we had to change platforms because I kept hearing the voice that no one else could hear. <laughs> um, yeah, so look, uh, it, it, I guess motivating in that sense. Like, I think that's what I need. I need to be up against a wall. I need okay. the savings to be going backwards. I need adrenaline. I need, you know, uh, pressure to perform. All of my auditions, I'll do them typically kind of last minute um, because I need that. Like, all right, there's literally no more time. You've got to get this done now. So I think once I started feeling like that, um, I sort of put the foot down and, and, and made some things happen here, which which now I feel feel great about. Yeah, sure. Let's delve into that a little bit because, I mean, if you've listened to the podcast, I think one of the reasons that I that I do this is to kind of tap into the mental health struggles that we go through um, in this journey uh, because it's very easy to to personalize them and make it, and feel like we're alone and nobody else is experiencing that same yeah. kind of thing. And I think you know a lot of Aussies have dreams of of heading out to LA and 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 making it in whatever way they think making it yep. is whether that is Oscars or simply earning fifty thousand dollars a year to go out with their mates and and pay the bills um so let's delve into that a little bit mm-hmm. i think in your, in your email and and just now you've you said like when once you arrived for the first six weeks you were you were feeling pretty pretty down and pretty awful. negative talk to me pretty about awful, yeah. talk to me about that experience and the types of thoughts that were going through your head as you'd um kind of made i mean so that's a massive thing to do to to pick up and, and move overseas especially for an for an industry that is so incredibly difficult to get anywhere in yeah. um yeah you know and you want to do real work not just commercials so <laughs> <laughs> that's right but, uh, yeah um and that's the thing I'd, I'd live off commercials and i have um but yeah the, but oh god know, i would to kill that... to have a i have to get into, i would kill to have some 10 grand commercials every every couple of months oh it's um to me, like I do a lot of voiceovers and I will answer that question you just asked as well, not to divert too much, but um, the, the voiceover avenue that I was able to access at Nova, that was the one good thing I took from advertising. Well, not, not, not the one good thing, but that was the, what fed into my career now is I've lived off voiceovers for the last uh, 10 years really. And then everything else, music and, and doing a commercial sort of once a year has supplemented that. Um, so I've been very lucky to do that. But coming here to answer your question, <clears throat> um, I had nothing lined up. I came here in 2019 for 10 days and that was really encouraging. The problem with that was that it was, I was here for a wedding in in Mexico. And so I was like, I'll stop off in LA and check this place out for the first time and never traveled on my own. And it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, but the difference was I had a girlfriend at the time and she was coming to meet me in 10 days. So there's security there. You're kind of going, I'm here for 10 days and there's, I don't have to achieve anything. I got to, to meet some, um, a couple of managers and the, the head of casting at CBS. My, my agent in Melbourne set that up for me. And I thought, all right, this is going to be great when I come back. I'm going to come back here. I'm going to live here. It's going to be awesome. But the difference when you move here is it's no longer a holiday. And I had a, a mate just before I la- leave, uh, just before I left Melbourne, we were sort of having drinks, farewell drinks. And he, he said, but are you going there for work or are you going there for a junket? And in the, in the back of my mind, I kind of knew that <clears throat> I was kind of going for a junket to begin with. Meaning, what, what do you mean by that? Like he, he was just saying, you're going there just to, to drink and go to bars and, you know, be single and, and do that like you're 21 again, or are you actually going for your career? And the, the, the scary thing was I didn't know how to, to start my career over here. Um, even though I'd kind of done it in Melbourne and that's, I guess, what gave me confidence to come here. I didn't really know what my steps were going to be. Mm-hmm. So all I knew was I'm going to go back to those bars I was at in 2019 and I'm going to have lots of fun and everything will work out because there's so many people working in the industry here. You meet them all the time that it'll just, things will just work out. And six weeks in, you know, I'm not someone that goes to bars on their own in Melbourne. I've got f- friends to do that with, or I'll stay home. Um, I'm not, a big drinker in Melbourne either. I, uh, I personally don't, you know, drink on my own or anything like that. Um, so f- going from basically going out once or twice a week to play gigs in Melbourne 
and I'd have a few drinks with Tommy who I play music with there and then I'd go home. Going from that to kind of going out four to five nights a week um, because the first week, I'll kind of break it down. The first two weeks, it was like, all right, I'm here in Hollywood, literally living in the suburb of Hollywood, which is just awful, by the way. <laughs> um, West Hollywood is really or is, is much, much nicer. And that's kind of the famous Sunset Strip. And it was a 10 minute drive from where I was. So I'd get in an Uber and I'd be like, I'm on the Sunset Strip. This is amazing. And I would always have a good night, but I'd kind of wake up naturally feeling like a 37 year old hungover guy. And I, and I was like, oh, my body can't handle this like it used to. And know that feeling well. Yeah, yeah, it was painful. And uh, so then I'd feel a bit low and I'd go, well, just go out again. And right. I, I did that for a couple of weeks and that was fine because it was sort of feeling like I'm in Hollywood, I'm in LA, this is kind of a party. Uh, there's no pressure on me. But the longer I did that for the, yeah, the worse I was feeling. And uh, mm. <clears throat> because, yeah, there was just nothing going on. And I had a lot of questions from friends, like how were the auditions going? I was like, I'm not just for anything. Um, and yeah, I, I would have some, some really questionable moments where I desperately wanted to come home. I'd had enough, but I couldn't, I couldn't come home yet. I'd told everyone I was going to come here for a year. I told myself I was going to come here for a year and I had to kind of figure it out, push through. Yeah. So that's those first six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. How, do you mind if I ask how much money you saved up before you moved? I've put $60,000 aside. To okay. burn through for 12 months which is not much because of the conversion mm -hmm. um you know it works out to be something like uh 50 48 or something like that i can't remember now that's bad yeah. maths it's, it's a while ago now but it's something maybe it's like um like 45 or something like that and it works sure. out to be your best mm -hmm. um and that includes accommodation and everything else <laughs> that's not going to last a year. I'll tell you what, that's, that's running low already. <laughs> but I've been fortunate in that I, so I assumed that my planning was, all right, you're not going to make one cent. Right? Not that I was being pessimistic, but I was just sort of saying, let's assume that you don't. Mm -hmm. And I have that money to, 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 to go through and, and use. And the fortunate thing is I've, um, I'm a voice actor, as I said, and I, because of COVID, a lot of the voice um, work is still, uh, happening from home um, uh, digitally. So um, remotely is the word I was looking for then. Remotely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, some of those clients that I've had have said, we don't care if he's in LA or St. Kilda, you know, we'll still use him. So I've been able to do that. But there's a. Oh, that's good. There's another story attached to that, which I can come back to later. There's another okay. reason why I was carrying a lot of stress around. Um, you want me to talk about that now? Sure. Go, go. Well, if you know, someone you might hear me sort of getting a bit croaky or maybe I'm hyper paranoid about it now. Um, okay. Don't, don't, actually, don't talk about anything you don't feel comfortable talking about. Oh, no, I'm saying that, you know, when I clear my throat, you know, I'm thinking everyone's noticing it. And, and oh. I had a couple of friends go, you just need to, you just need to relax. Your voice sounds fine. But uh, I had a jujitsu injury uh, in January right. 2020, just before I got the visa, actually. And it, uh, this guy just choked the choked the shit out of me in this tournament that I I did, and okay. I'd only just really started jujitsu. I threw myself in, and uh, got a nasty choke that caused nerve damage, and it was affecting my voiceovers and affecting my singing. My voice was kind of sitting at about eighty five percent, and that fifteen percent that was missing was just really annoying me. Okay, um, and so I had a surgeon say, "Well, I can I can fix that up," and so he injected filler into the vocal cords to make it easier for them to close because that was the issue is that my muscle was just not strong enough from the nerve injury to close the vocal cords so this filler is meant to bulk them up and make it easier for the muscle to close them but it just went really wrong yeah. uh, it's it, 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 uh, it actually made it significantly worse so that was october getting here was a couple months after the surgery well i guess it was um almost three, you know, three months, but it was still cooked. You know, I, I still now, if I go to a bar in a loud environment, I can't comfortably project. Um, okay. So I was kind of coming in here with that as well, that, you know, right. busted up voice, no agent, no prospects. You're going out most nights, hung over most days, like what, what's your plan here? Like, <laughs> here, see, here you know. I am sitting, sitting here listening to you thinking, 
fuck this guy's voice sounds so good it's any wonder he does voiceover <laughs> like it's so like deep and resonant it's everything that i wish my voice sounded like mm. isn't that funny too because all that since losing it and i significantly did lose there was a period there where it was just cooked gone um and now yeah it is coming back um and when it's quiet like this i can comfortably speak it's, it's fine mm -hmm. um but i did lose a lot of voiceover work so a lot of that work that i was hoping was going to come through yeah didn't um a lot of it i was able to keep because my voice can do certain things and not others but there are a couple of regular clients that were like well uh i'm trying to think if i should name the client but you know maybe i won't but uh it's an it's one of the energy companies that I've, right. I've done all the voiceovers for for about probably six years and they've just been so wonderful to me and uh they've given they're still kind of checking in every month they'll kind of go has his voice and i'll put a test down and i'll go it's not it's not there so there's been some setbacks that i've had to navigate yeah um, with that. has that affected you uh, like emotionally that change uh, i've never had a panic attack before the level of anxiety that 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 gave me in those first that first month because the doctors were confused that doesn't make you feel good when they're going <laughs> no. strange, strange very strange isn't it you've never seen that before what when when do you think it's going to get better i said oh give it a week they're like all right i can do a week get to the end of two weeks it's still still wrecked and they just kind of kept saying, well, maybe give it another month. And yeah, I, I, I had a couple of moments uh, where I kind of just collapsed at home. Oh, wow. like, this is everything. I was like, you, this is how I make all my money. It's a, it's, it's a huge part of my identity, my voice. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a big part of all of our identity. Really, it's, it's how we communicate everything. Of course. And, and it was my strongest instrument. It's how, you know, and I'd proven that through the voice work and the singing and the, you know, the, and the acting. And it had been completely ripped from me with no clarity on when it was going to get better. So that the filler takes up to two years to wear off. So we're wow, sitting okay. at the, I'm losing track now. I think sitting at the eight month mark or something like that, seven months maybe. And uh, at the time, the concept of this could take one to two years was just really terrifying. So I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, now I'm kind of going, all right. Well, if it takes another six months, I don't care. I'm used to it now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but getting here, all the stress, you know, I've left my country, I've left my friends, left my family, left my apartment that was, you know, that I, I owned and, and loved. And, you know, I kind of built a comfortable life. My life was comfortable in Melbourne and it was going well. Yeah. And I left to just come here so that I could always know that I had a crack um, and didn't, didn't die wondering, you know, we, yeah, cool. we hear people say that all the time. That's what it was for me. I just didn't want to die wondering, but yeah, landing here and kind of going, no voice, no real money coming in, um, that I know of no prospects, nothing. It was, uh, it's stressful. Yeah. It's, I can imagine. So I want to talk about, I suppose your journey to getting to the point of, of deciding to move to LA. Cause you know, okay. you said you've been working for, for 10 years. Um, yep. I think, I mean, um, I don't know who to quote, but I've heard, I think that when you start, when you decide that you want to start, you want to progress the career or pursue a career in acting that you, it, you, you should really estimate 10 years to get mm -hmm. to a point where you're consistently working. So in yep. your 10 years or nine and a half years in Melbourne working as an actor, were yep. you in the position of, well, working as an actor and a voiceover artist and a, and a musician? Yeah. Was that your, were you working consistently in Australian commercials and TV shows? What was, what was the, your kind of path of kind of getting success and success to make you feel confident that now's the right time to, to give LA a crack. Talk to me about your, I guess, history in Australia. Yeah. So the first five years of those 10, let's say, uh, you know, give or take a year, uh, I was earning some money, um, but not enough that I felt I was earning that 50 grand pretty quickly, probably in a few years, I was earning that. Okay. But, but then I was like, mm, be good if that was more like 80 and you get to 80, 
you could have, that was more like a hundred, maybe a bit more. So I was still working in advertising for those first five years. Okay. And I was lucky enough to have a job that allowed me, it was, I was working on my own, um, still doing the advertising sales stuff, but I, I, I had left that for a period of time and I was really happy, but I was scraping by, you know, I was earning like 35 grand a year or something like that. And, uh, as I said, I was happy, you know, I didn't have to go to work every day. I'd do a couple of voiceovers a week if I was lucky and maybe a gig and that's it. Um, but this job opportunity came up. I was able to still go to auditions, still do voiceovers, but, you know, earn a significant salary on top. And so I did that for a couple of years and I was earning really great money because I was probably earning after that, those two years, I was probably earning more in, in music and acting than I was in advertising. But to have two of them together, um, it allowed me to buy the apartment that I, or put a deposit down for the, the apartment that I own in St. Kilda and tick some life goals. But my partner at the time, she said something really um, that stuck with me. Uh, and she said, how much money is enough money? Because you said it was 50 grand a year. What happened to that? Like you're earning significantly more than that. You've saved more than you, you, your original goal was. How much is enough to have in the bank? Is it 200,000? Is it 500,000? Like what's the number? And I just said, it's always just a little bit more. I said a little bit more. And I think that we all feel like that. You just, it's never quite enough. I think it feels like, it might feel like enough if you win the lottery and you get that money instantly. Yeah. But when you've slowly, slowly just sort of put the money away and put the money away, and I was so broke in my 20s. I had so much debt, credit card debt and everything. I just cleared that around 30 and said, never going back again. I'll never go in debt again like that. A mortgage debt is okay, but I'll never have sort of personal loans and credit cards. So I was always worried, like, what if I, I run out of money? What if I run out? But she said that. I was like, yeah, you're right. It's never going to be enough. So I quit the next day. And so for the last five years, I would say, I've only worked as an actor and a musician. I've not okay. done anything else. No, I'd probably say 70% of my income has come from voiceovers. Um, maybe 20% from music and the other 10% um, just from doing on average a commercial every year and a half. And then okay. sometimes they roll over, which is lucky yeah. when that happens. So have you, have you done web in Australia? Did you get the opportunity to do much quote unquote real acting real work uh, outside of commercials. Yeah, I got a couple of opportunities, but not very many. I worked uh, on a TV show called Glitch, uh, which is on Netflix and was on ABC. Did a couple of episodes of that. That was great. Um, and that has been a, a, a significant credit to carry into here. So my pitch to agents, which we'll talk about later, but it was basically, I've done 500 plus voiceovers in Australia. And I was on a hit TV show uh, called Glitch. And it doesn't matter if I was only on it for like one scene <laughs> or two scenes, which, you know, that's how many I was in. Uh, just being a part of it does open some doors. So if you, if, you, yeah. if you are in Australia and you've got a couple of credits like that, don't, don't think that that's not enough because it, it, uh, it can be. Um, so, yeah, I did that. I did a voiceover in a, a cartoon called Beat Bugs. Um, and I did... Oh, what else did I do? I think that might theatrically was pretty, pretty much the bulk of it. Like the other stuff I'd done had sort of been short films and a couple of feature films that, you know, went yep. went online somewhere. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, All right. but mostly, yeah, no, most, mostly commercial stuff. As you know, over the past few years, self-tapes have become the norm and they are being used by more and more industry professionals to cast all sorts of productions. I've personally recorded self-tapes for theatre, TV and film and commercials, and it makes life easier for casting as they can see more options. But what isn't easy for us actors is finding someone to read for us in the moment that we need them. That's where We Audition comes in. We Audition is an online video chat community where you can call someone that has marked themselves available and they will read for you for your audition. You can use We Audition to rehearse, film, or just ask questions that may help your audition. Last year, I had an actor contact me who had never drank alcohol, who just wanted to know how to play drunk. Um, you can sign up to We Audition to be a reader yourself. I log into We Audition most days and I just leave it on and people call and I accept and I help them with their auditions. So you can earn a little extra cash doing that and you can just meet some great people. 
I even helped one of the main cast of Morning Moors tape an audition towards the end of last year. Look, it's a great platform, and if you're going to sign up to be a reader, it basically pays for itself. So if you want to sign up to be a reader on We Audition, you can get 25% off using the Actors Making It discount code MAKINGIT. So just go to www.weaudition.com and use the code MAKINGIT when you sign up. So obviously you've got, you know, being able to get to that point of working for five years, purely making yep. money off being creative is, is fantastic. So obviously that gave you the, the confidence to, sorry, not obviously, it's putting words into your mouth. I'm assuming that gave you the confidence to finally make the um, jump over the, over the water to LA to give it a crack. Um, yeah, I guess it did, or I wouldn't have done it, but I, the reason I'm hesitating is because it's, it's similar to that money thing. It's kind of never enough. It's like, when am I ready? To be honest, I, mm -hmm. I'm, as I said, I'm 37, nearly 38. I've been saying I'm going to LA next year for six, seven years since I was 30. So <laughs> <laughs> it's always next year. So I feel like a year is enough time that it's, it's not too close. Um, you know, but it's not like I'm saying I'm never going to go. Yeah, yeah. And it would get to a year and I'd be like, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Yeah. I don't have, as I said, the, the issue was I didn't feel like I had enough quality credits. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel, um, and I, I wasn't getting any opportunities really to do. It's not like I was auditioning for a lot of TV work and not getting mm -hmm. it. Uh, I wasn't auditioning for a lot of TV work at all. Um, I couldn't figure out what that was about. I tried changing agents. I tried, you know, asking for feedback on my reel, like what do I need to do? And eventually I think with that, when I kind of looked at what I'd achieved, when it kind of hit that 10 year mark, I was like, well, you've actually made a living off this. Like that's got to be worth something, mm -hmm. you know, to, if I can prove that in Hollywood to say, look, I'm a working actor over here, regardless of how I got that. The thing is it's a business. So they don't care where the money comes from. They just want to know that they can make money from you. And it's not a, I don't see that as a cold um, exchange. I see that it's just a business exchange. So I thought, I think I've got something to offer agents over here, even if it is just commercials to show that okay. I've you know, commercially. Um, so that, yeah, but, but yeah, terrifying. I wasn't on that plane, you know, beaming with confidence. I was ah, but yeah, the whole thing constantly. But, but you took, you took the, you took the leap of faith, which is, which is great. And I think the thing that you said there is, what's really important and I think a lot of um a lot of actors don't really think about is that this is all this is all the business this yep. is all business it yep. just happens to be that you as an actor you are the commodity you are the the um yep. the asset so That's if right. if if an agent isn't can't see a return on investment by bringing you on the books, then they're not, they're not gonna, they're not gonna get you on the books. And so many people, you know, I have so many conversations in Australia and on this podcast with, with actors that constantly are like, oh, I'm not getting into any audition. I have the conversation, I'm like, not getting into any auditions through my yeah. agent. Um, I'm not, uh, what, I don't, I'm not getting anything. What am I doing? And like, it's obviously something wrong with me, but it's, it's just like, you know, it's, there has to be, there has, an agent has to see that there's gonna be a return on investment for you. They're not gonna yeah. just, get you on the books and do nothing with you like that defeats the entire yeah. purpose. Right. So. Yeah. And the thing with the theatrical stuff, I remember, uh, Josh has talked about this. Um, I think it may have been a, a different interview that he did, but he, he was talking about how it's very hard to break into to Australia. Um, it's hard to break in anywhere. Right. But yes, I thought about it logically. <clears throat> thought, yeah, okay, I'm struggling in Australia to break through. I've got a few friends that weren't, but I, I was. Um, plays with your confidence a little bit, but then I thought, well, it's a numbers game, right? You know, it's a multi-million dollar industry in Australia. It's a multi-billion dollar industry in LA alone. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it, it it's everywhere. You know, it, it's, it's, you come here and you say you're an actor and people don't even bat an eyelid. There are actors everywhere. Everyone's yeah. an actor, a producer, a director. Not literally everyone, but I would say eight out of 10 people that I meet. Um, and at this point, I've met hundreds of people. Um, maybe I don't know, a couple of hundred of people, people I reckon I've spoken to in all of those late nights out. 
you know, eight out of 10 people work in the industry. It's the reverse in Melbourne. It's, you know, one or two in 10. If you're probably less than that, it's probably more yeah. like, you know, five in a hundred people actually say, yeah, I'm an actor too. Like it's, it's extremely rare. Um, so you kind of go, okay, well, if, the, if there's that much work over here, if there's that, that many things going on, then I've got to have more opportunities to play into than I'm going to have in Australia. Yes, there's more competition, but that's okay with me. I just wanted more auditions and more opportunities. That was yeah. my thinking. Um, come here, study, audition more, and take that experience back to Melbourne. That was my my goal. Of course, I wanted more than that to happen, mm-hmm. but that was what I thought I could realistically achieve. Get an agent. I knew I could do that, uh, and and uh, and start auditioning and and, and see what happens. Um, yeah, awesome. So let's, uh, so you, that's the experience getting you to LA. Now, fast forward past the six, six weeks of uh, feeling like you want to go home um, and, <laughs> and being into the, the kind of positive headspace. How long did yeah. it take you to land your agent in LA, given that you had not, given that you landed with no, with nothing lined up? Yeah, yeah. So. And what process did you take to get, to get that? That was the part, that was the struggle. How do I do it? You know, do I Google all agents in LA, which I did, and just start hammering out the emails? Uh, That just didn't seem realistic. It was confusing. It's confusing in Australia. There are 250 agents in in Los Angeles. So some of those are are multiple agents within the same agency, but that's Mm -hmm. how many people there are to contact um, commercially and theatrically. Oh, it was overwhelming and that's what kept stopping me from sort of figuring out what I was doing, kept reaching out to my my agent for some help, but they weren't having any luck and then that knocked my confidence around. I was like, even my agent can't get me meetings here. You know, um, there's also the confusion around managers in LA, which is not a thing in Australia unless you're, you know, a lead on home and away or something. You don't need a manager in Australia. As I said, there's not enough going on that you need a manager and yeah. an agent um publicist and all that kind of stuff so do i need a manager do i need an agent do i need both and i thought you know let's just start with an agent Uh, everyone was sort of talking about managers managers i thought well i'll see see i'll go with an agent to be honest what i used was a company called uh, agent blasters uh the name of which threw me a little bit um, yeah. <laughs> uh, immediately, if I'm thinking like yeah we can blast an email out to every agent immediately saying hey here's will Yeah, just BCC every agent. I'm sure they'd love that, you know, spam about me. It's a good way to get blacklisted. That's what I thought. Uh, But I looked into it. I was, uh, luckily there was a friend of mine here who had used it. Well, he was following them on Instagram. So I asked him, he was using it and he'd had success and that's how he got his representation. And all I could see online was just review after review after review of people saying, I got 10 meetings, I've got 20 meetings, I got, you know, three meetings, but I've never had representation before and I've been searching for five years. Um, you know, there are actors here who've been acting their whole life in LA who still don't have representation. Yeah, wow. So you know, so I used that company and it was brilliant. Um, and I, I told them that it, it effectively uh, tailors an email, uses a program, tailors an email to every all of those 250 people in LA, except for the ones that have uh, said that they don't take unsolicited uh, emails and offers uh, or requests for representation. They kind of, I felt like I was pretty, I felt like I didn't really need any help writing this email, but they offered it and I sent them my email and they, they gave me some pointers that just completely changed the way I was approaching writing these uh, these requests and it tailors it so if you're an agent danny it'll say hi danny and then it'll have my information and it's a specific Mm -hmm. email that goes to you and that will be for every single agent it doesn't bcc um and i've got 20 meetings out of that 20 agents that uh, i think I, i took 15 of them and because it was getting a little bit overwhelming and it wasn't like it all happened in one day it would be you know 10 days later another agent wants to meet or another two agents and so i eventually capped it and uh, the funny thing is, it was the last agent that I met with that I went, I went with. I got offers from all of them. Some of them said, we're not really interested theatrically, but we'll take you commercially. Some said, we'll take you for both. Um, and I was looking for both. I, I didn't want to just do commercial representation. Yeah. Um, I wanted someone that could, I wanted ideally just one agency to keep it clean and neat. Um, 
that would cover me for both because again, it's different to Australia. If you get an agent, they do both. Over here, it's it's quite common that you'll have the agency split into two departments or some agencies only do commercials. Um, that's how big the industry is here that you can have, you know, just one side of the industry ticking along. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, in the end, I went with the last person that I met with. She was the only one, her name is Carrie Macy. She's been just wonderful. And she was the only person that met with me in person. Obviously okay. these days it's easy to do zoom and it's not uncommon so that's how it was either a phone call or zoom with everybody else and that was fine that's kind of what i expected but she said no i want to meet you so i went into her office in beverly hills which felt kind of cool and yeah that's something i can come back to as well just these little moments even during those six weeks of going oh this is actually this is great this moment's awesome yeah i really feel like i'm in la now and that was a good probably my first great acting moment where i went this is this is great you know i'm going to meet an agent i always try and go if 27 year old william who did that first acting class was told you'll have 20 meetings in la and one of them is going to be in person in an office in beverly hills and she's going to want to sign you like that that's a huge huge accomplishment but you know when you're in it you're kind of going you know, yeah, I've, I should, I should be getting that by now, or I should, yeah, you know, I've come all this way, so I have to achieve that. Um, so I just try to celebrate that a little bit at, at, at the time. And she, yeah, we sat there for like ninety minutes talking, and she was, yeah, it was really wonderful. And she gave me some pointers, things I needed to clean up on my, you know, resume and and uh, the various websites you have to be a part of. And we would kind of workshop some things in there. And yeah, that, that's how I got my agent. Amazing. And how's that been working out for you? Because I mean. <clears throat> What, we're in, what's it, the 28th of May. So we're Couple of months what, I've had it. Four, four or five months into your um, your LA journey. So yep. how you, what's having an agent changed and how are you feeling about it all now? Yeah, I, I got, I did get lucky. Um, I had- No such I've thing as luck. Now. There's no such thing as luck. No, there's but, not, there's not. I luck, shouldn't say what, that actually. I, what is it that I was talking to somebody about this recently? Luck is preparedness meeting opportunity. Yeah, that's, that's I've heard that, and you're absolutely right. It's a, it's that tall poppy thing, that Australian tall poppy thing mm-hmm. creeping in. Where I'm like, listen, it's not me. It's just I got lucky. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Um, so I had, I've had an agent for two months. I've been here four months, um, and yeah. So those first six weeks were a bit shit, and then those next two weeks was kind of when I started getting those meetings. At the end of that. I went with Carrie and the auditions just started coming in and it reaffirmed my original thinking around the numbers game. Suddenly I was getting, I can't count now how many things I've auditioned for, paid theatrical opportunities that I've auditioned for. Um, and that's all I was really wanting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up getting uh, a guest role within 10 days on uh, a Warner Brothers show called The Sex Lives of College Girls. <laughs> which Funny show, very funny show. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, I hadn't heard of it. And I thought, is this, what is this, like an adult adult film series? <laughs> it's not. It's a very funny comedy. And uh, that was great. That, that, that was another one of those moments. So, you know, get the wardrobe, first get the booking, playing an Australian. So, <laughs> tick, no worries, can do that. Nice. Um, <clears throat> And I'll come, I want to come back to that as well. Don't let me forget to talk about the Australian thing here because there's a big opportunity for Australians at the moment. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so went on to the Warner Brothers lot to do my wardrobe fitting and that was a huge, again, it was one of those, take this in, enjoy this. My past said actor on it and it was valid for two hours. I was in the wardrobe uh, with um, those girls for a couple of, maybe I was there for like one hour, one of those two hours. And I was trying to think of their names and I, I blanked. So that's what, what that hesitation was. Um, <laughs> I feel bad about that. They were lovely. They, they really were, you know, because you can have all sorts of experience in this industry. Australia here, it doesn't matter. And I just was like, going to go to Warner Brothers, you know, they'll probably be a little bit in and out with me, but they weren't. They were, we were laughing, we had a great time. And they said, you know, why don't you go and explore the lot? I was like, oh, am I allowed to just walk around? Like, is that... So yeah, you've got your pass. So yeah, it's got an hour left on it. Because well, you, for the next hour, you do whatever you want here. Just don't walk into the studios. Yeah, wow. Um, and I said, like, okay, cool. And and so that's what I did. And I got a little snap and an Instagram. 
fucking Instagram, uh, video of me on the lot, you know, with the Warner Brothers Tower, not too far off. And I went and had a coffee and had something to eat. And, uh, and I was like, this is awesome. Like, you know, walking past the Friends stage and the Big Bang Theory stage. And um, yeah, I just felt like, oh, this is a great dream kind of come true. It, it was just to be there. And, and I felt like I belonged for that minute. And I, you do those things, you enjoy them. And then when they're all over, you're back to square one a little bit. Yeah. Got this great credit um, and filming it was fantastic. It wasn't on the lot. It was somewhere else. But that was a great experience as well. Met great people, worked with really lovely people, had a great day, had a trailer, had all these, you know, little things that were, you, you kind of, these things you want to experience, but then it's over and you, you're back to auditioning again. So you got to celebrate the good moments. You got to celebrate them, not say that you're lucky, like you pointed out, be proud of them. Uh, and I am really proud that I got to do that. And then acknowledge that you, you're kind of back to work again, back to yeah. figuring out what's next. The other thing I got to do was uh, a film that's coming out in the, uh, this year called We Have a Ghost, which is coming out on Netflix. That's got uh, David Harbour in it and uh, some other people as well. I won't go through the whole cast, but it's it's David Harbour's the the sheriff out of Stranger Things. That's kind of what he's okay. best known as, uh, I guess. Um, and the, the brief was just do an Instagram, TikTok style video on your phone. Doesn't need to be a professional background. Would prefer it wasn't. Just ranting about why ghosts don't deserve equal rights. <laughs> and so I wrote this little monologue down and I said, give it you know, up to two minutes. Uh, I think it went for like 90 seconds. And I did this, this rant, did a few takes, sent the best one in and they said, perfect. We'll just use that in the film. So the audition piece, is going to be in the movie. So that was the oh, easiest wow. job ever. Um, didn't have to set my lights up, didn't have to do the whole slate to camera and all that kind of stuff that comes with self, self-test, self which can just be a nightmare. It was the easiest one I've ever done and uh, and they're going to use it. So that that's another little tick. Um, do you feel a yeah. little bit like ripped off that you don't actually get to go and act on the, act in the film? Um, no, I don't. I think that had they have said, for example, Look, yeah, that would have been great. That would have been great. But I think if they if they had said, "Oh, we're going to use if we like it, we're going to use this in the film," I would have overthought it. I yeah. would have been worrying about my hair. I would have been, you know, all the vanity and the perfectionism, all that stuff probably would have crept in a little bit. And I just really threw this thing away off the cuff. I wrote it down and I I, I did take take care with it, but I was really free with it. It felt yeah. fun and easy. Um, so I'm I, I, I'm really happy with what I did and I'm happy again that I was free enough that it was good work and that that good work will be in the film that's probably all I really care about and you know I get a great credit awesome. and that and that it, I'm happy with what I did I don't know that might use five seconds of what I've got no idea um, but yeah very well it's still very cool uh god they're definitely the easy hey easy acting gigs are always uh attractive um yeah. you said a second ago that to remind you to talk about the Australians in Hollywood at the moment. So what, what oh, does that yeah. mean? Yeah, thank you. Um, well, when I met with all those agents, the thing that got me in, one of the things that got me in, uh, I, I did have a strong CV around the, the voiceovers and and uh, had proven that I was <clears throat> capable of earning money mm-hmm. uh, for an agency, but they said, we need an Australian. Perfect timing. And I thought about it. I hadn't really considered that. But, you know, the board has only opened internationally in November. Mm-hmm. Um, I came in January and what they were saying was, oh, we had an, so many agents that we had an Australian, but he left or, you know, he left during COVID and he hasn't come back. Um, so we've got a gap on our books because really that's what it is. It's just a, a list of uh, demographics uh, that they yep. need to tick off. They need someone that's this age and, and, and white and they need someone that's this age and Chinese and they need an Australian and they need someone that's native and they, they just have this list. And most boutique agencies have got around 200 actors and they sort of said, we don't want two of you. We want, you know, I think, I think my agent's got one Australian and he's in his 60s, right? So it's right. completely different. Um, they, they don't have multiple versions of me and I think that's 
a big thing for Australians to know if you're thinking about coming over. I don't know if it's still like that, you know, four months on, but I'd imagine it probably would be four months yeah. goes by like that. There's well, a little gap here. There's not as many Australians here as there once was. So, Well, it's interesting because I have just landed my agent. I'm moving to London in October. Um, kind of the same reason, uh, apart from the fact that I love it over there, but same reason mm-hmm. as you is like, I want to be in an air, in a, in a, in a location where there is more opportunity than what there is where I am, because you know, probability says that if there's more, there's more opportunity, then then I'll get exactly. more opportunity. Um, yeah. But I signed when I spoke when I was talking to the guy that I've the agency that I've signed up with. He literally said, "I don't have an I don't have an an Aussie on my books, and I don't have anyone that looks yeah. like you on my books." So it would be you'd be great. Um, yeah. So that was something that he said. So, but. Uh, do you find that there are that the auditions that you're getting then are predominantly for Aussie characters or no. okay no just that one that I did I don't think there's been any others um, but yeah no and I actually had some interesting advice which has been um, not it wasn't challenging I had to do one yesterday and it was fine but they've said you know do your slate in an American accent. Don't have them thinking, oh, this guy's Australian. Oh, that could be a problem. Even though you, especially because it usually starts with a slate. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want them thinking, oh, this guy's not American. He might struggle with the accent. Even if I haven't struggled with the accent, and I generally don't, you don't want to start with doubt. You don't want them to start with yeah. doubt. So as false as it can seem, I've actually been doing my slates with an American accent. Yeah, um, I've heard that as well. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm getting more comfortable with that now because it's not me. And that's something, uh, again, to I go off on tangents, Danny. Everybody so does on podcasts. Rain me in. Everybody does on podcasts. <laughs> I, 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 um, I, I released an episode where a friend, where another podcast host actually interviewed me for the for my podcast recently. Right. And I did the same thing. I was like, I'm doing what everybody does. And we've gone off on a complete roundabout <laughs> of what the yeah. question was. Yeah. Um, and even worse, I can't even remember what that tangent was now. So <laughs> there you go. All That's good. Done. All good. All good. Well, look, it sounds like um, we're actually coming up to about an hour worth of chatting, wow. which is crazy, um, given all of the, the technical <laughs> dramas yeah. that we've had. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess I'll. We haven't really delved too much into the to the visa situation, but yeah. Um, I, is there anything that you want to talk about around visa? Cause you mm-hmm. said in your, in your email that it's, that it's quite, quite the process. Obviously you've had, you had a visa for two years and it's coming up for expiration. What's the, yep. what does that really yep. look like for you? So it expires in January, but I have to get the application in by the end of June wow. um, to ensure that we get it. And if, if you are here for one day longer, so let's say my, my visa expires January 26, right? Let's say my next visa, if I get one, starts January 28. I've got to leave the country, interview in Australia um, at the embassy and, and then come back in. Mm-hmm. So it's important that I, I yeah, anyway, that, that's a, another thing. But yeah, it's, it's a nightmare of a process. The things that you need include... Um, 12 up to 12 9 to 12 letters of recommendation from people in the industry casting directors directors uh, people that have employed you mm-hmm. um that's not easy to get but it's easier than you think if you've been doing it for a while you know even someone like you danny i could ask you and say Look, can you you know and you my lawyer you have to have a lawyer and, and they'll they'll find a way to really glam up the cv of the person that's that's signing the letter um if, whether it needs it or not you know if you really condense someone's achievements down into one paragraph it's all of us for all of us it's quite impressive um so you need nine to twelve letters of, of recommendation you need five press um uh, that's been written about you interviews like these so this is really great for my press kit you know i'll be able to put this into my lawyer no really because i've said look you know danny's got this podcast it's really great it's been going for this amount of time and uh, it's a legitimate form of press but that's but it's not easy to source a lot of that stuff when you're starting out you know and you do yeah. generally have to source it unless you are already a name that's got articles written about you in the herald sun and stuff like that um you know, who, who's got articles written about them? Maybe you've had a couple of theater reviews. That doesn't count. It has to be TV film related. So right. it's pretty tough. 
So, you know, your lawyer can source a lot of that for you um, as well. So if you're struggling to source that yourself, they can do that. That costs money. The lawyer costs money. You have to have deal memos. So you have to have um, an in they want to see that you're, you've got work lined up during the visa period. Right. And if okay. you don't have work lined up through by way of a deal memo, you don't get in. So you have to find a producer or a director. In fact, you need two now. It used to be one. Now you need two. Two deal memos written saying, we intend on employing William Prescott um, over the course of the next three years. So that comes down usually to just hustling and finding... Up. Yeah, and just finding someone that's willing to put their name to you. Yeah, um, which is challenging. Um, and there's all this other stuff as well that you know, just, <laughs> yeah, just pr prove your employment, your income, and and all that kind of stuff. And and then you, you just let your lawyer do the work. You're looking yeah, at wow. anywhere from eight to twelve thousand dollars Australian. Um, and I was aware of that well in advance. Everyone had kind of thrown around this ten thousand dollar figure. If you've got ten grand, you can get a visa, and you can. But yeah, it's, it's hard. hard work. So, yeah. Excuse me. And maybe it should be. Maybe that you know. Maybe that's. Maybe it should be that hard. You know to. Um, to go through all of that to be allowed yeah. to come here and work as an actor, um, you know. Otherwise, everyone would be here doing it, right? And they, they make it. They make it difficult. But perhaps that's fair enough. What kind of annoys me is that I've been working here, and yeah. that's that's all well and good, but it's actually not a prerequisite. No. for getting another visa you know it sort of helps my case because they'll celebrate mm -hmm. that my lawyer will talk about everything i've done but it's uh yeah i've got to i've got to go through all the old hoops jump through all the old hoops again so well good luck with that um i'm sure it will all work out it will be fun yeah what would be um i'll ask one final question what would be one piece okay. of advice what would be the piece of advice that you would give somebody that is thinking about making the move to la to pursue their acting dreams um, I would just say, have a budget and just come okay. and you know, you, you land here, you start meeting people and you start figuring things out because you're forced to, as I said, when you're up against the wall and, uh, not that we should care too much about what other people think, but I, I it creeps into my head. It does, you know, what's people are going to think I'm a failure if I come home. When I say people, I'm talking about my immediate friends and family. You know, I do want those uh, important people in my life to, to be proud of me. And, you know, when you're up against it, you'll figure it out. Don't come here broke. Don't come here without a visa. That's that's probably the two things. Don't bother. Unless you're coming just to check out LA, which is what I did the first time, that's fine. Come here, stay for a couple of weeks, stay for a month, see if you even like it here. That's yeah. what I was sort of thinking those first 10 days. Do I even like this place never been here. It's an idea in my head. So, you know, it is fun. It's a great city to live in. It's really friendly. Don't listen to the bullshit around everyone stuck up in LA. I have not experienced that. I've experienced more of that in Melbourne. Um, you know, not that Melbourne's stuck up, but I'm just, it's interesting how many people are open here. Most people that are here are from somewhere else. They're transplants yeah. they're from Chicago or they're from England or they're from Australia or wherever. Um, and so everyone relates to that move. You know, everyone, when you tell them, like, oh, you just moved here, the number of people are, oh, you, oh, so you just moved here. Oh, how are you going? You know, there's a really open energy here. So that's, amazing. that's been my experience anyway. So just come, just have a budget, have a visa, or come to check it out. Awesome. Great advice. Budget. <laughs> that's the main thing I'm hearing, budget. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, you can't, you can't get by anywhere without money coming in. So. Well, no. Well, I, I believe... Like, if you don't have a budget, your O1 visa, you can only work as an actor, right? That was something I didn't say before. Yeah, that's exactly, that's the challenge. I can't just go and I'm going to work in a bar for a little bit or, you know, work at a supermarket. <laughs> I'd prefer not to do that, but you know, whatever. Um, you can only work as an actor. And technically this visa, I can only work in TV and film. I can't even really do voiceovers and things. There are ways around that, but... Um, yeah, it's it, it's challenging. So yeah. that's why you do need money kind of saved, ready to go. Unless you've got a green card, which is much harder to get. Uh, you can obviously win the lottery. If you've won the lottery, that's great. Um, the difference between, I know you're running low on time. This is really no, quick right. though. 
the <clears> difference between a green card and an O1. And the reason that I wanted an O1 originally was because you can come and go as you please with an O1 and you don't have okay. a set amount of time that you need to be in LA or in, in America. You can be here for one day or you can be here for the three years that your visa goes for. Up to three years is how long the O1 can be. Um, with a green card, you have to live here minimum six months uh, of the year. Um, and if you don't, and a lot of people lost their green cards during COVID. I know someone in Australia, an actress that lost her green card because she couldn't come here so that's mm -hmm. it green card gone no exceptions so yeah that's worth thinking about now everyone wants to win the lottery and that's great but have you really thought about what happens when you win it because yeah. then you've got to move here within the next few months um so that's pretty yeah. daunting i do know so many people that have won the green card lottery though me too which was yeah. really interesting it's apparent apparently it's very easy to win it's yeah it's, it, the, the word lottery makes it sound a lot harder i have to confess i've never entered the lottery so that's how organized i am i talk about budget and you know giving advice but you know frankly i should have been entering the lottery <laughs> the last few years because there's been a lot of green cards to give out over the last um couple of years because of covid particularly yeah. the last 12 months uh, my lawyer was telling me that that there's uh, a significant number available um at the moment for is that not something that, is that not something that you can apply for now that you're there and the press part of it is uh, is what's stopping me. So I spoke to my lawyer about that and he said, you need like really impressive, press. it needs to be variety. It needs to be um, US press written about you to get a green card, you know. No, but I mean, can you, can, you not, can you not apply for the lottery? No, I missed the cutoff, missed right. the cutoff. So I, I, yeah, it opens again in September, I think. Um, <clears throat> I missed it for this time. You know, I haven't got the O1. I was kind of like, I'm applying for anything. I need to worry. I'm not doing any more applying for things for the States. I've got my visa and now I'm here. I'm like, you should have, you should have <laughs> Well, hindsight is a wonderful thing. Well, thank you so much for uh, having a chat with me. It's been really nice. And it sounds like you're uh, well on your way to, to making it in whatever way making it means to you over there, which is great. And I look forward to kind of following along your journey. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for having me, mate. I appreciate it. It's been uh, a great chat. Awesome. See you later.